World Bank reports that in the world today, there are pretty much equal numbers of male and female. As of last year, 49.6% of the world's population is female, leaving by math 50.4 to be male. And these statistics can change depending on demographics, countries and so on. There's 107 boys born for every 100 girls, but it all pretty much evens out everywhere in the world to be, you know, pretty much 50-50. So here's some Bible trivia for you. Did you know that there are 86 women named in the Bible? Many others were unnamed, referred to as someone's wife or someone's daughter. The King James Bible contains about 10,000 words spoken by these 86 women, um, which I, I read online, hopefully that's true, which is about 1% of the Bible. So that's a fair number of words. Now... Many of you may know women in the Bible. I mean, who comes to your mind when you think of women in the Bible? Esther, Esther Martha, Mary, Eve, Eve Ruth, Sarah. Sarah. There are so many. But for, for every woman that's mentioned, there are so many that are not mentioned. Um, there are so many that are hardly mentioned yet they held these supporting roles that uh, equipped and enabled the stories in the Bible to be told. Um, you, you hear of the Egyptian midwives who allowed Moses to be born without allowing and breaking the rules in order for Moses to be born. We wouldn't have the whole history that Moses brought to us. Um, you know Hannah, she prayed and prayed for Samuel she got her son that she wanted, then she gave him back to the Lord, to the temple. And because of Samuel, again, so many, David was um, named to be king. And, and it went on to lead to so many of the history of the Bible as we know it. In Samuel 18, there was the women who flocked to the streets after David killed Goliath. And in Nehemiah 8, uh, it talks about the women who stood uh, when the law of Moses was read by Ezra. There were the women who supported Jesus' ministry in Luke 8 as he travelled. You know, it says the disciples travelled with him and the other women. And those women, the Bible tells us, they supported Jesus out of their own finances. Um, these were women who'd been freed from diseases and healed from diseases and mental health disorders. And they spent their life supporting Jesus' ministry from their own um, from their own means. And as many times in the story of Jesus' death, we hear about the other women um, that were present, like when uh, after Jesus was buried, the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices to go and prepare the body. So there's all these women in the Bible. And I think what I want to do today is open your eyes to the fact that there are many, many people in the Bible, both men and women, who play significant roles in the history of the Bible. And I believe that a lot of us know very little about many of these people. Um, I want to speak to you today about one of the women in the Bible. Any ideas who I may have selected? No, not the woman at the well, <laughs> which is another unnamed woman in the Bible. Um, I have a real interest to study women in the Bible, so today I've pre prepared my sermon on Abigail. Um, she may be less well known. Oh, there we go. 
She may be somewhat less well-known in the Bible, um, but she plays a really important role. Um, So what I'm going to do today, it may have a different style than perhaps a regular sermon. I'm going to do more of a Bible study, and we're going to study Abigail um, and look at some stuff about Abigail that we hopefully didn't know and hopefully can uh, equip us and enable us to become better people it's my prayer that your eyes may be opened and you can, you can get some wisdom imparted into your life today from this very wise and discerning woman. My youngest daughter is called Abigail. Uh, the name Abigail means source of the father's joy. We often call her Abby. She has this little friend at school. She just moved this year from the US. Um, and she's got this really cute Californian accent and everyone else calls Abby Abby, um, and she calls her Abigail, and she, she's come around before, and it's so cute, you just hear her, Abigail, 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 and it's really, really sweet, so that pops to my mind, every time I say Abigail, that's what I'm thinking, um, yeah, so I'm going to read the story of Abigail today, I want to break it up a little bit, extract from it what makes Abigail so significant in the Bible, um, So it'll be a bit more of a Bible study, so hopefully you've brought your Bible or you've got your phone, but I will have the scripture up on the um, screen as well, and I hope that you will be blessed. Um, So why don't you turn with me today to 1 Samuel 25. Now when you read scripture, it's really important, and I often um, bang on about this when I preach, it's really important to get the context of the scripture um, that it's from. You don't want to be one of those claw machines, you know, you put the coins in and you get that claw and you want that toy and it, and it goes down and picks out the chocolate or the toy. Every word in the Bible is God breathed, we know that, but it's really important not to just grab a verse and take it. It's really important to look at the scripture around it, to understand the context that the scripture is in. And when you do that, you better understand everything to do with that scripture, the background of it. Um, yeah, so set, when you read the Bible, set time apart to, to read it in context so that you can gain more understanding from what you read. So 1 Samuel 25... Now Samuel died. All of Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Mount whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, greet him in my name, and thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house. Peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us and we did them no harm. They missed nothing all the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore let my young men find favour in your eyes for we we come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. So we see here this chapter begins that Samuel dies. 
And let's take a moment to backtrack just a little bit. Now, we know in 1 Samuel 16 that Samuel had gone to the house of Jesse and he then had anointed David um, that he would one day be king. And at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came on David. It was already on David, but even more so came on David. And in the time from chapter 16 to 25, where we start reading today, uh, several things happened. So I'll give you the quick rundown of those uh, nine, verse, nine chapters. So David went to serve Saul on his staff. David kills Goliath with his slingshot. Uh, David becomes best friends with Jonathan. Saul became jealous of David because the Lord was with David and everything he did he succeeded in. David married Saul's daughter Michael. Uh, Saul then plotted David's murder. Um, Michael saves David's life. Then David runs away from Saul and he hides in the cave and in the wilderness for many years. And then David has the opportunity to kill Saul. But he doesn't. He cuts off the corner of his robe. And now Samuel dies. So he says the Old Testament's boring. It's, it's really interesting. There's so much in it. It's this interesting kind of, um, all these stories in there. And so that brings us to 1 Samuel 25. And we meet Nabal and Abigail. Nabal's described as a wealthy man. He owned much property, 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. He's also described in the Bible as mean, uh, dishonest, surly and harsh, wicked in his dealings, um, it says in other translations. The definition of the name Nabal means fool. Um, I mean, what mother names a child fool? <laughs> um, but Abigail, on the other hand, is, David's, is Nabal's wife. So she's described here as discerning and beautiful. In other versions, it describes her as sensible and wise. So what does discerning mean? It means to have or show good judgment, to be able to see and understand people, things or situations clearly and intelligently. So she was this intelligent woman, um, and the Bible describes her as beautiful as well. So she was this beautiful, intelligent woman. So we return, when we look at that scripture, David sent his men to Nabal to ask for food. Like in those days when the shepherds were shearing and so on, often things would go missing. But uh, David's men reminded Nabal that while, while my men have been camping out in the wilderness, nothing has gone from what you own. No harm has come to you. Having us nearby has protected your property. And now David's men want a bite to eat. And they didn't make a list of demands. They just asked what you have at hand. So kind of what you've got spare. Do you mind giving us a bit of what you've got spare? Let's read Nabal's reply. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread? And my water and my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men that I don't know where they come from. So David's young men turned away and came back and told all of this to him. And David said to his men, every man strap on your sword and every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. About 400 men went after David while 200 remained with their luggage. So this is Nabal's response to them asking for a bit of food. My, my, my. 
I don't know if any of you have watched Sesame Street recently, um, but there's this episode on Sesame Street where um, one of the people on there wasn't sharing and he kept going, mine, mine, um, and it turned out that he had a really serious case of minitis um, and he just couldn't share. Um, but that's what I think of when I read this. You know, he comes, they come and ask for a bit of food um, and Nabel's got this serious case of minitis. Well, it's my bread and it's my water and it's my meat uh, for my shearers and who do you think you, who, who is this person? The way he talks to, uh, to um, David's men was mean and it was harsh, it was insulting to David's men. Who is David? Why should I give my food to someone I don't know where they come from? Have you ever found yourself in the same situation, giving a similar reply? We've all done it. And we hear David's response. He was hungry and he was angry and it's a really bad combination, hangry. And David's response, it was reactive. So, no, they're not giving us food. Right, strap on your swords. Let's go. Let's go and, you know, let's go and get them. And 400 of David's men head out towards Nabal's household, which is Nabal's household and servants and some shearers. That's a, that's a lot of men. It's a big re response. Nabal doesn't stand a chance. But it tells us that one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us. We suffered no harm. We did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us by night and day, and while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this and consider what you should do, for harm is determined against our master and against all in his house. And he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. So the servant explained this to Abigail. See here, even the servant acknowledges that David and his men were a protection to Nabal's land. And he comes to Abigail to ask her advice to see what should be done in this situation because he knows that she's discerning. She knows, he knows that she's wise. And Abigail has a choice here. What should she do about this? She could do nothing. She could hide. She could allow David to come and kill her husband. He's nasty. Um, you know, in those days, they would kill all the men in the household. So she probably wouldn't be killed anyway. So, you know, she has this choice of what she should do. But she's, the Bible describes her as a woman of discernment. Um, and we see this in the response that she gives. It says, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two skins of wine, five sheep already prepared, and five seers of parched grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, Go before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down towards her, and she met them. And David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him. And he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one man who belongs to him. Abigail's response was that she was quick. She made haste, the Bible tells us. 
you see here, even in what she packs to take down the wealth of her household, that she could take so much food so quickly, packed on donkeys, to, to go and meet David. The food alone was a significant gift. Um, the land was known for its fruit, but not only that, it was the sheer quantity that she could quickly assemble and pack on the donkeys to take to David. 200 loaves of bread, five sheep that were prepared, ready to be cooked. Um, but it's not just about the food. She says to the servants to go ahead. I wonder why she did that. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but I wondered why. Maybe she needed some time to gather her thoughts before she spoke to David. Maybe she needed time to pray or prepare herself. The Bible doesn't tell us, but this whole thing happens without her husband's knowledge. Now, it's important to note Abigail's response to her husband. Of course, there is always cases when it's safer to leave than stay under the dominion of someone, but she was discerning and she made a good decision. And you watch that now when you see what Abigail does when she sees David. When Abigail saw David, she hurried, got down from the donkey, fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is within him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord who you sent. Now then, my Lord... As the Lord lives, as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and saving you with, his, with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel... My Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, remember your servant. So not only, only does Abigail take on the guilt for what has happened, she refers constantly to the Lord, both the lowercase Lord in reference to David as a sign of respect and the capital L Lord, meaning the Lord God most high. She acknowledges and maintains this respect. She acknowledges the role of the Lord in both of their lives and how the Lord protects and fights battles for them and with them. And she wisely advises David that the Lord God will look after him when he does the right thing and doesn't shed blood with no cause. Abigail here in her response shows immense discernment and wisdom. And David replies to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. As surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried to come and meet me, truly by morning there had been left to Nabal not as so much as one male. 
David received from her hand what she had bought, and he said to her, Get up in peace and go to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice and granted your petition. It worked. David listened to the wisdom of Abigail. He said he would have left not one man alive in Nabal's household, but now what she has said to him has saved him from shedding blood of innocent men. So Abigail returned home. She came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast. So he was having a feast that day anyway. I'm sure he could have spared a bit of food originally, um, but he was a fool. So Abigail came to Nabal. He was holding a feast in his house like the feast of a king. Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of him, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. And when the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to take you as as his wife. She rose, she bowed her head to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants, my Lord. She hurried, she rose, she mounted a donkey. She took her women attendants and followed the messengers of David and became his wife. So yes, there's a lot of scripture in this um, chapter, but sometimes a lot needs to be taken in in order to understand. And it's an incredible story. You see, Abigail was living with a really difficult man. We don't know how long they'd been married. The Bible doesn't talk about any children. So you could assume that she was quite young. Um, They may not have been married long, but it doesn't tell us. It was probably an arranged marriage, which was a custom in the day. He was a wealthy man, so any family would have thought, if I marry my daughter into this family, she'll be happy. But despite her situation, she was an incredible woman of grace and beauty, both inside and out. She was trusted and respected by her household, despite the fact that her husband was a fool. And we see that in verse 17, when the servants come to her to ask her advice. And we see that this discernment and wisdom saves her entire household that day. Despite the fact that David had planned to attack and kill every man in the household, she would have been spared anyway. But she did the right thing because she knew the Lord and she trusted that the Lord would protect her. We see we can all learn a lot from Abigail. What can we learn from Abigail? She was living with a very difficult person in her life. And we all have difficult people in our life. For some of us, it's a colleague or a friend. It could be a relative. It could be a spouse or a child. But what's incredible to see is Abigail's response despite this. She was discerning and wise in her judgment. And she was determined. And the result of that was incredible. Ultimately, she ended up marrying a king. Wisdom is an incredible strength to behold. In Proverbs 4, verse 5 to 7, it says, Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. 
Proverbs alone talks about wisdom over 45 times. It's obviously important. And these verses in Proverbs are so clear. Get wisdom. It will protect you. It will guard you. Develop good judgment. And we read in 1 Samuel 25 exactly about this. Abigail had wisdom and she had good judgment. She made a choice. She responded with wisdom and it protected her. Wisdom and discernment are as one. So we must ask ourselves then, how can we apply wisdom and discernment in our own lives and in our own actions? Abigail's wisdom ultimately freed her from the situation that she was in. So I wanted to do just four points that we can learn um, from Abigail's discernment. The first one was that she realised what God was capable of. Abigail realised that David was a holy man. And in verse 24 to 31, we read of us telling David this. Our Lord, your Lord has restrained you. The Lord will bring you through. You are fighting the battles of the Lord. Evil is not in you. You are bound in the care of the Lord. The Lord will deal well with you. We see when we look at David, he was angry. He reacted. His reaction was, strap on your swords. We've all done that. And how often do we still do that? Um, If someone says something which angers you, your first response is often reactive. Right, well, I'm going to march down there. That's not right. I've got to march down there and fix it. I've got to say something. I'll send an email. I will show them that what they've done is wrong. That's our natural response. I have rights. I've followed the rules you know, and now I've been insulted. But how often when something angers you, have you stopped and been discerning about what God is capable of? You see, Abigail could be trusted to do the right thing because she had discernment. She had wisdom of what God was capable of. She had a fear of the Lord. And we see that the fear of the Lord was active in her life every day. Proverbs 9 verse 10 to 12 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in understanding. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. And it is evident in this story that Abigail had a fear of the Lord. She had wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One. She realised what God was capable of when she put her trust in Him. Tells us in Proverbs eleven sixteen, a kind hearted woman gains honour, but ruthless men gain only wealth. And we see this so evident in this story of Abigail. She was discerning and wise, and she was kind. She looked after David's men when they were asking for something to eat, and God honoured her. The second thing we can learn is that she avoided conflict. When the servant spoke to Abigail, her discernment showed that conflict was not the way to solve the problem. And God showed her a way to resolve it without conflict. Abigail shows us how important our words are, especially in a tense situation where harsh harsh words can be a catalyst of an explosion of actions which could be regretted later. Discernment shows calm, carefully calculated words, and these words lead to peace. Proverbs 15.1 tells us that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You look at the attitudes of the three main people in this story, David and Nabal and Abigail. 
Nabal gave a harsh reply to David's request, which caused David to react and issue a harsh ultimatum. Matthew 12.34 tells us that the mouth reveals what's in the root of our heart. For whatever is in your heart determines what your mouth says. Whereas Abigail, she shows her discernment in her approach to resolve the situation. In Proverbs 14 verse 16, it says, The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. And in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33, For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. We see David's response is equally as rash. He asked 400 men to strap on their swords as a response to not being given food. He said, there will not be one man in that household alive tomorrow. It was irrational. It wasn't a man-to-man conversation or fight with Nabal. It was a huge overreaction. What should our attitude be around conflict? We may want to react, but we should be keeping a tight rein on ourselves and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to guide us in our reactions. Has the Lord revealed in your own life where your harsh words or attitudes lie because we become so quick often to accuse someone else of being harsh but we need to first look at our own response in order to change our hearts. Harsh responses often reflect our own insecurities and pride when we're not relying and depending on the Lord to look after us. We try to defend ourselves rather than allow the Lord to fight our battles for us. It's difficult but we need to humble ourselves. Maybe they will get one up on you, but that's okay. Harsh words show that you have anger in your heart. Pause, take time, take a breath. When you feel angry, hungry, lonely, tired, pause and take a breath before you respond because the Lord wants to help you avoid conflict. The Lord will give you grace to avoid conflict and avoid saying those harsh words The Lord gives you grace to pause and ask for help before you respond. Remember those words, a gentle answer turns away anger. Someone else's anger doesn't need to change your response and your behaviour. Another thing we can learn from Abigail's discernment is that she worked quietly and she put wisdom into action. You see, in this story, David was seething. In the verses just before Abigail arrives to talk to him, you see his thought processes. He's saying, after all that I've done for him, see if there's one man left alive. He was really angry. Proverbs 29 verse 11 says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. So Abigail, with wisdom and determination, which was evident in her actions, and this is it, if she can intercede... Maybe she can stop innocent blood being shed. And recognising David, she offers a greater bow of humility. She didn't give a head nod or, or you know, a slight bow or offered a hand to shake. She bowed to the ground with her face on the ground. Even though she was innocent, she offered herself as a culprit and took the guilt on herself. And this just highlights her wisdom and humility as opposed to the foolish pride of her husband, Nabal. She acknowledges the true nature of her husband when she speaks to David. He's wicked and foolish, just like his name. 
but I did not see your men who sent you. She points out, yes, maybe he's wealthy, but he's a fool and fools make bad decisions. She states that she's different and that she's, had she have seen David's men, perhaps the outcome would have been different. She came with gifts and she gave them to David as a peace offering. And there's a shift here from interceding for her household into becoming a messenger for the Lord. She understands a bigger picture of God's purpose in David's future. She blesses David by condemning the enemies in the future. She tells him and reminds him that the Lord will partner with David and fight his battles with him in the future. And we see this blessing come to pass when David does come into reign and he defeats the enemies of Israel and there is an era of peace. The Bible tells us that. You see, who you associate with makes a difference. Abigail wishes for the future success of David and even overflowing to the men with him. They too were saved from killing innocent people. So often when we get upset, we want to react. We want to get even. We want to get justice. Yet we forget to stop still in that quiet place. Ecclesiastes 3.7 reminds us to stop and think first. It tells us that there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. The Bible commends those who can keep peace and listen. But the Bible also discourages us from being quiet due to timidness. It tells us to be courageous, like Abigail, but to listen first and act quietly. And the fourth point is that she reaped reward for her courage. We know that there's honour for wisdom. Proverbs 3.35 tells us that the wise inherit honour, but fools are put to shame. When Abigail talks to David, we see an immediate positive response from David. First to God, then to Abigail. They both recognise God in the situation. And then David praised Abigail for the action that she took that saved her household. She took courage to intervene and plead with David, but the Lord rewarded her for that courage. Her discernment and the courageous action allowed life to continue for her household. David accepted her gifts and he instructs her to go in peace and she goes without fear. It's important to realise that David was a good man. He was a godly man. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. So when we see his harsh and hasty response after Nabal talked to his men, it was out of character for David. Abigail talked to him and reminded him of the Lord and his plan. You see, in the chapter before this, David himself had the opportunity to kill Saul. He came across Saul in a cave He was asleep. He went up to him with his sword. He could have killed him. Saul was chasing him, trying to capture David and murder him. David could have killed him, but instead he cut off the corner of his robe and he said, see, I haven't killed him because I don't want innocent bloodshed. And it's such a contrast to just the very next chapter when someone offended him by not giving food and he says, let's go and kill him. Let's kill everyone in their household. It's important to understand that Abel came, uh, Abigail came and revealed this to David and his response to Abigail is what is important. He didn't argue with her. He didn't get defensive. 
he listened and he accepted her gift because he knew that she was right and he knew the Lord. He knew his response was harsh, but he listened and accepted her discerning counsel. And we need to do the same. When wise people of the Lord correct our behaviour with wisdom and peace, we need to allow our hearts to listen and to be corrected. And we read that when she returns home, she still doesn't tell Nabal what she's done because he's drunk. The next morning, once he's sobered, she tells him of all the things. And you know how a woman talks. It would have been in detail, possibly word for word. And Nabal's reaction, the Bible tells us the stress of it caused his heart to stop. Whether it was a heart attack or a stroke, we don't know what happened. But after 10 days, he died. And to put his death into perspective, King David, when he hears of his death, he said, the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal to his own head. The Lord dealt with Nabal. Nabal's failure was not just his dishonesty and his rudeness. He insulted and dismissed the servants of David, who was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Abigail was patient in the face of a difficult person and relied and depended on God to deal with their problems, and he did. Now, I'm not saying that God will strike down your boss or that difficult person in your life, but God is looking out for you, and he will give you reward for your courage. Following all of this, we read that David wastes no time in asking Abigail to be his wife. And this is Abigail's choice, and she wasted no time accepting his offer with humility. She again bowed down her head, washed their feet, and willingly went with them. Now, I don't know what her future held with David. He became the next king, but I'm sure it wasn't perfect. We know the Bible tells us that King David had multiple wives. He was, um, ended up being adulterous. But what Abigail had was a true faith in the, in the Lord, and that discernment directed her life. You see, I love Abigail. She's quite possibly my favourite woman in the Bible. She gives us a glimpse into her life, her discernment and her courage through difficult situations. She remains calm, she honours God, and she's rewarded for her actions. She shows us the impact a wise woman can have on the life of a man and the impact of wisdom in all of our lives, both men and women. When we quietly act, when we seek God for his wisdom in our actions, rather than reacting and then regretting our actions. Abigail took the information provided to her. She understood what needed to be done and she did it. She wasted no time. And you know, if you feel that you don't have much wisdom, ask God. It tells us in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So seek God. Ask him for his wisdom and he will give it to you. Seek his word. Pray and acknowledge the Lord in your life and he will give you wisdom so that you, like Abigail, can become a woman or a man of discernment and wisdom. So consider Abigail today. What can you learn from her? How can you seek to be more discerning in the things of the Lord so that your response to situations may change? Will you respond to a difficult person positively or negatively, pleasantly or bitterly? 
gently and peacefully, or causing more anger and bitterness. Proverbs 15.1 tells us, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer is not a weak answer, as Abigail has shown us. She has shown us that a powerful response can be given in a mild tone. The substance of the response is firm, but the language and the spirit is gentle. And as we read in Abigail's story, her response, such answers are difficult to resent or argue with. Soft answers turn away anger. They silence anger. And negative emotions and attitudes cannot burn without fuel to feed them. So I hope that this study on Abigail has opened your eyes to a character who perhaps is not so well known in the Bible, but who nonetheless plays a significant role. I hope that you feel now like you know her better. I hope that you better understand the power of discernment and wisdom in the face of difficult people and difficult situations. You see, when God is at the centre of your life, you will be rewarded when you're courageous for him. And like Abigail was, you can be the pillar of strength, discernment, wisdom and courage to those around you so that choices that are made are not regretted later on. I'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sharing us with Abigail today. I pray that we have all learnt something and that we all feel more connected to wisdom that you give us, Lord, and that we may respond to situations in the future, perhaps with a more discerning approach. I pray that you guide us as we go out into our week, that you give us wisdom, Lord, if we need wisdom. I pray that you build our relationships up and protect us and give us courage to stand up for what you want us to, Lord. I pray that you bless each and every one of us as we go out into our week, that you protect us and you look after us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.